Hello, everyone, and welcome to this next edition of the Vol Contributor Podcast. My name is Murphy Carlton. I'm the host of this podcast. Um, I did a couple episodes of this previously back in December um, of last year and uh, wanted to make it a regular thing then, but uh, some things got in the way. And uh, then, as we all know, the the COVID stuff and all that. So um, just never really was able to stick with it unfortunately, but I do want to make a podcast, um, something that I can do, you know, just to have another way to get what I think about Tennessee sports out there. So I'll talk football, basketball, and hopefully baseball when baseball season gets around. I'm a big baseball guy. I've never really been able to get into the college baseball scene, um, but I do want to. So we will do that when baseball season rolls around. But Uh, We're going to talk about football in this edition. I'm going to cover kind of where Tennessee's at right now after their six games so far um, and kind of talk about what I think needs to be done to kind of turn things around, um, discuss the quarterback situation because I know that's a hot topic and I have an opinion on it. Um, I actually put up an article. Well, I didn't actually put it up, but I wrote an article um, over on volunteerroadshow.com Uh, go check it out. It's about what I think needs to happen at the quarterback position moving forward for this season. And then, you know, beyond the end of this year, looking towards 2021. Um, so go check it out. Uh, I posted or actually quoted the link on volunteer roadshow on my Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at murphy.carlton. Um, and I, uh, would recommend you follow volunteer roadshow and more important issues as well. Um, they both, I mean, More Important Issues is a show from Volunteer Roadshow. I'm sure most of you guys know that if you're listening to this. Um, But great content on both sides. Uh, Landon and Caleb do a great job for the More Important Issues show. Uh, And I hope to like to have a a show that's on par with what they do uh, each week. So let's get into this. So Tennessee right now is sitting two and four through their six games so far in 2020. Um, Not exactly where you want to be at, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think the expectations coming into this year were that Tennessee was going to be able to continue to beat the teams that they need to beat. So teams like Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina, um, Vanderbilt, and so on and so forth. Those kind of mid to bottom level SEC programs that over the past few years have been giving Tennessee, you know, a lot of trouble. Um, they showed last year and even in Jeremy Pruitt's first year that that they have the ability and the talent to beat those teams just need to be more consistent which they were last year with their win streak that they put together um it wasn't a a you know solid season all around last year but Tennessee really put you know a nice finish together and and carried it over into the first two weeks of this season picking up wins against South Carolina and Missouri and then just kind of everything went off the rails after that um, there's a lot of different issues with this team. It's not just one certain area. There's not going to be one specific fix that's going to fix everything. Um, obviously, there there is a, a certain position that I think a lot of people are kind of tired of the inconsistencies and, and you know, really want to see a change there, as, as do I, including myself. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second. But 
the quarterback isn't isn't the only issue with this team. Um, you had you've had games so far this year, like the Georgia game. I remember getting ready for the Georgia game and being so hyped and excited to see our offensive line go up against Georgia's front seven on their defense, and and really thought that was going to be a heavyweight battle back and forth, us running the ball well, you know them making good plays on their end as well but just a good a good battle and and we just got completely owned up front um so that's just one example of of another you know position group not really pulling their weight but you've got problems on the offensive side you've got problems on the defensive side um and I think some of the some of the issues on the defensive side especially in the secondary is kind of troubling to me personally and, and I'm sure to other people because you've got two coaches who you know, in Jeremy Pruitt and, and Derek Ansley, that's what they specialized in. You know, these guys are, are secondary coaches. They know how to coach defensive backs. Um, they have a long track record of successfully developing, um, you know, top high school defensive backs into really, really good college players and then sending them off to the NFL where they've, you know, become really good corners, safeties, whatever. So, that is kind of troubling within itself. Um, defensive line's been inconsistent. You haven't been able to get any sort of constant pressure on on quarterbacks that you've played. Uh, you've had moments where certain players have shined. DeAndre Johnson early on in the year was really uh, really good. Um, Tyler Barron has flashed a couple of times this year. I want to see more of him. I want to see more of Marvin Joseph as well. Um, I'd like to see Baron and Joseph on the field at the same time playing those two outside linebacker positions. Um, you know, guys like Aubrey Solomon really haven't shown up. Uh, Darrell Middleton was out a little bit. He's come back, you know, played all right. Elijah Simmons has had to play a lot up front, which I think is good for him because he didn't really play a whole lot last year. So, but, but they've just been inconsistent. You had Jimmy Brumbaugh get let go. Jeremy Pruitt's now, you know, in control of the defensive line. So, We'll kind of see how they progress. I think they played all right early on against Arkansas and then kind of in the middle of the game really couldn't get any sort of pressure on Felipe Franks. You know, Franks was really able to do whatever he wanted to. Um, and then you had near the end of the game, I think they got like four sacks in, in, a, in you know, like one or two drives. I mean, it was insane. Where where was all of that pressure um, you know, for the entirety of the game and the games that, that came before that, you know? So just want to see more consistency up front on the defensive line, really in the entire team, honestly, but talking about them specifically. Uh, I think Henry Toa has been, you know, as advertised, he's been the leader of the defense. Um, I don't think they've really found that person to go next to him. I, I think I think Quavaris Crouch is going to be a really good inside linebacker. I just don't know if his future is at inside linebacker. Um, I don't know if he would be better at the outside position where you just tell him, hey, and, and I know in Jeremy Pruitt's offense or offense defense that outside linebackers do cover, um, do pass coverage a little bit. And that was kind of the Achilles heel for Darrell Taylor in Tennessee, in Tennessee's defense with, with Pruitt. Um, you know, Taylor wasn't really that good at, at um, covering tight ends, receivers, running backs, whatever. Um, I just don't know if Crouch would be better suited for inside or outside. I think it would be inside because that's where Pruitt has chosen to play him. 
but it could just be because of lack of depth at the inside position. Um, you do have a couple of freshmen in Bryson Eason and Martavius French. They haven't really played a whole lot. I've seen Eason a handful of times, um, but again, that's late in games. You know, when when the game's already been out of control. So, um, looking at the secondary, you know, you, you've had some players that have played all right. Alante Taylor's been banged up for most of the year. Uh, he's missed the last couple of games due to I think it's a hamstring injury. So that's that's unfortunate and, and frustrating for him. I'm sure. Haven't really seen a whole lot of Bryce Thompson. I mean, I know he's been out there, but hasn't really made any sort of impact on on any of the games so far, which is a little worrisome. Um, you know, your safeties really haven't had that big of an impact. I think Trevon Flowers has had a couple of good games. Jalen McCullough's gotten burnt in pass coverage a handful of times. Your other corners outside of Thompson and, and Taylor uh, haven't really stepped up. Kenneth George, Warren Burrell. Kenneth George actually got benched in the Arkansas game, um, replaced by Warren Burrell. And, and I don't think that Burrell has enough experience yet to to be kind of counted on. Um, you would have liked to see Kenneth George play better, obviously, but um, just just doesn't doesn't execute, I guess, what Pruitt is wanting them to do, or what Ansley, I guess, is wanting them to do since he's the DB coach. Um, but yeah, would like to see some of the younger guys in the, in the secondary. You know, we saw Danico Slaughter early on in that star position when uh, Schamberger was banged up. Ever since Schamberger has come back, you know, he, he's played all right, but again, not doesn't look like the same guy from last year, at least, in my opinion, um, at least in, in, in a sense of, you know, making a big impact on, on the defensive side with sacks, you know, open field tackles, stuff like that, things that he, he really excelled at last year. Haven't really seen him pop up with that much. Um, but I thought Slaughter played well in his first action uh, with Tennessee. You know, had a tough assignment against Shai Smith uh, in South Carolina with those those slants over the middle. But really everybody on Tennessee's defense has struggled with any sort of pass over the middle of the field. So you can't really blame Slaughter on, on that one. Um, there's just something that's not being done correctly uh, when trying to cover stuff over the middle, and, and I don't know what, what will fix it, but it definitely needs to get fixed um, as we move forward if Tennessee is going to want to win games because I think it's it's definitely been exploited as a, a big weakness for Tennessee uh, in their secondary, so definitely want to fix that. Um, just want to see more consistent play from, from guys on the defensive side, really. Um, Got to execute better. You give up 24 unanswered points to an Arkansas team, that's just unacceptable. It really is. You let Kentucky put 34, and I realize two of those touchdowns were on pick sixes, but again, they didn't really play that well against Kentucky's defense either. And then we know our offense. We know the Georgia and Alabama games were going to go the way that they did. At least we were hopeful that they wouldn't. Um, I was one of those. I was. I was thinking coming into the Georgia game that this might be the year. Maybe not necessarily that we would win against Georgia or Alabama or Florida or whatever, but we would at least play a full 60-minute game against those teams and, and you know, give them everything we had. I really thought that was what we were going to see this season, and it just didn't pan out that way, um, and it's unfortunate. But, uh, but, yeah, that's where Tennessee sits right now, two and four wins against South Carolina and Missouri in the first two weeks, and then four straight losses to Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, and Arkansas last week. Um, 
so yeah, not not exactly where you want to be in year three with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, obviously, this season is very different because of COVID nineteen, and you know you had to miss some players in practice early on due to contact tracing. Um, specifically, a lot of your younger players uh, had to miss time and weren't able to get the reps in practice and get a really good understanding of playbooks and and all that good stuff I'm sure so that definitely has hurt but again you don't want to be losing games to Arkansas and Kentucky uh, especially not in the way that you lost those games if it's like you know a last second field goal in a game that you played well you just you know end up losing in the end that's a little bit more acceptable it's still unacceptable but it's a little bit better than getting blown out by Kentucky at home since like for the first time since 1980 something and you know going on a giving up 24 straight to Arkansas in the third and only being able to put 13 points on the board is is just unacceptable so not quite sure what the problem is what the solutions are um I don't get paid to figure that stuff out. That's what Jeremy Pruitt gets paid for. So hopefully they will use this week, which has now turned into an unexpected bye week because the game against Texas A&M that was originally scheduled for this upcoming Saturday, the 14th, has been postponed due to Texas A&M's increase in COVID-positive tests. So that game is not going to be played this weekend is actually going to be moved, I believe, to December 12th, which is the Saturday following the December 5th matchup against Florida. So the Florida game will no longer be the final game of the regular season for Tennessee as it stands now. Um, The following weekend after the 12th, the 19th, is when the SEC championship game is scheduled. So I don't think... Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think they would schedule games for after the 19th. Um... But again, I could be I could be wrong. It's not like Tennessee's going to play in that game, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, let's let's just dive into the quarterback situation right now. I think I think that's really going to be the main bulk of what I want to talk about. Um, where to where to start? Uh, let Let's start with two two guys two two of the quarterbacks that I personally don't see kind of fitting into the plans of the future for Tennessee as we move forward through the rest of this year and into 2021 and beyond. I really like Brian Maurer and JT Shrout. I think that they have potential to be really decent quarterbacks. They both bring a different type of skill set. Maurer with his you know, ability to, to be mobile and run and, and do a whole lot of different things with that, get really creative with, with play calls and stuff. Um, and then Shrout's got the big arm. We know that. But from what we've seen out of them in their time at Tennessee, and I don't personally think that either one of them are where they need to be development-wise, considering how long they've been at Tennessee. It's not obviously been as long as, say, your starting quarterback, who we'll talk about here in a second. But... Um, they just aren't where they need to be, and I don't know if that's, you know, you can chalk that up to a coaching issue. Is it Chris Wanky's fault? Is it Jim Chaney's fault? 
you know, you can put a little bit of, of, of blame on, I guess, Tyson Hilton. Is it all Jeremy Pruitt's fault? I don't know who you put the blame on. I think the one the one guy that, that you, you mentioned there that um, works closely with the quarterbacks, I would say closest, would be Chris Wanky. Um, and I know he's kind of come under some some heat again here after watching the last few few games and seeing how the quarterbacks have played. He's definitely not making any any fans <laughs> in Tennessee country, that's for sure. Um, I just I, I personally don't think Shrout and Mauer are going to play play a factor in the in the Tennessee quarterback situation moving forward. Um, and I hate it for him, but sometimes things just don't work out. Um, I think it's pretty clear where this program is at least needs to be going, needs to be headed. You've got five-star Harrison Bailey out of Marietta High School, Marietta, Georgia. He was brought in. They built a whole class around him in 2020 to be the future of this program. If that's still the case, if, if, if the plan is still Bailey is the future, which I don't see how it could change from he's the future to, oh, wait, no, he's not in six games considering he's been not really given an opportunity to do anything. Both both times he's come into games, they've already been, well, I wouldn't necessarily say the Arkansas game was out of control because that game could have been coached differently and you could have been put in a better position and whatever. We could get into that if we want to, but I think you guys understand that that game wasn't as far out of control as the Kentucky game he was brought into that was already, what, 34-7 to or something like that. Um, but if, if, if he's still the future, if that's still the plan, which I would assume it is because we're only six games into the 2020 season in his true freshman year, why do you go to Brian Maurer after Garantano has to come out? Garantano in the third quarter against Arkansas gets hurt, has a head injury, concussion. He's not going to play the rest of the game. So myself watching the game, when I see Brian Maurer trot out there, first they didn't even report on on the broadcast that that Garantano was hurt until you know a little while after Maurer had come in. So we didn't really understand. Thought you know maybe Garantano had gotten benched. Well, he didn't really play that bad. He only threw the ball eight times to that point in the third quarter, which is head scratching. I mean, just don't really get that. Um, but you go to Brian Maurer instead of your five-star true freshman, I get it. Jeremy Pruitt likes practice. He's a big practice guy. If you perform well in practice, you're going to play. I really hope that that's not the main reason why Jared Garantano is starting at quarterback because he practices better. He's a fifth-year senior. He better be practicing better than the other other quarterbacks on the roster. If you've got a true freshman coming in who's been practicing at the high school level, and he's practicing better than a fifth-year senior, you have a problem with that fifth-year senior. You know what I'm saying? So if if that's the sole reason why Garantano was playing and why Brian Maurer was the second guy to come out there rather than Bailey, I don't think that's right. I've, I've seen Pruitt make comments about we will play the guys that practice well because typically that translates to them executing on the field. I get it. I understand it makes sense. It should make sense to you. But at what point do you start to understand that even though these certain players might practice well, it still isn't translating to results on the field 
in the actual game when we're playing another opponent where the win or loss counts on the record, and that record is what you base your success on. So there needs to be a change, right? Because you're not getting the results on the field that that you need. So Garantano gets hurt third quarter. Brian Maurer comes in. Confusing to me. I was expecting Harrison Bailey uh, to play, which he did. I wasn't expecting Brian Maurer to be the second quarterback they turned to. Um, Maurer goes, what, 0 for 4 passing in his time out there? You know, he always kind of plays, I don't want to call it erratic, but it just kind of comes off as that. Um, Just, I don't know, he, he just, I love the energy that he plays with. I love the fact that he's always trying to make something happen, but it, he just forces a lot of stuff, forces a lot of throws, and and it just it doesn't really ever end well. You saw Bailey when he came in. And at that point, even when Maurer was in, Arkansas's dropping eight, so you don't really have a whole lot of room, you know, to work with when you're looking downfield, which is why Bailey checked down to to, to Gray a handful of times in a row because that was that was open. That was what he had. He didn't want to force the ball into double or triple coverage, and I feel like if you have Maurer or Shrout in at that point, one of the two of them, if not both of them, probably throws a pick before you get to where Bailey threw his in the end zone, which I don't blame Harrison Bailey. I don't blame him for either of his picks. The first one should have been DPI. They missed it. The second one, you're throwing a ball, lobbing it into the end zone, trying to make something happen, trying to score something to, to try to salvage a little bit of pride and show the coaches, I'm sure, hey, I can do this. Give me a shot. I can, I can make something happen. So I don't blame him for either one of those. But I think if you have Maurer or Shrout in the situation during the drive where Bear, uh, Harrison Bailey is, is checking down to Gray, I think both of them might try to fit a ball into double or triple coverage and end up getting intercepted before you get down to the end zone. So again, same ending result, but... I would much rather have had Bailey in that situation like you did, uh, trying to make something happen in the end zone and just unfortunately got, got intercepted. But, um, but yeah, Bailey comes in, goes, what, six for nine. I think it was like 65 yards and two interceptions, which, again, I don't blame him for either one of those. One of them shouldn't have even counted. But, um, but yeah, if if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, really I would have had – a different game plan for the Arkansas game. We've been told countless times that Jarrett Garantano gives Tennessee the best chance to win games. And for a while, I think before before Bailey, like last year, when he was saying that, when, when they continued to play Jarrett before they you know, moved him to the bench, then they brought him back and he led him on this great winning streak, whatever, you would see Maurer or Shrout come in, and you'd see him play, and you're just like, okay, now I see neither one of these guys are, are, are any better than what Jarrett's doing. Jarrett does give us the best chance, whether we like it or not. Now you have, a, you have Bailey, right? The future of your program at the quarterback position is as what he was told by Pruitt, you know, whatever. 
I, I just I don't think you can you can say that anymore after after all that we've seen from Jarrett. And I don't blame every loss on Jarrett. You know, he's given everything that he has towards this program in his time at Tennessee, and I respect him so much. I thank him for everything that he's done for Tennessee. Right. But it's time to move on. It, it, it's time for both sides to, to realize and come to terms with each other and say, okay, this is not working out. It hasn't been working out for a while, but we've you know tried to put a Band-Aid on it or whatever and continue moving forward. There's no reason to continue to delay the future of this program from taking over at the quarterback position, and that's Harrison Bailey. You need to give, give, give control of the offense to HB15, let him play, let him start gaining some experience, gaining some confidence, getting some chemistry with the younger receivers that are going to be here next year. I'm not saying you don't play guys like Palmer or Brandon Johnson because you still should. Palmer is your best receiver. But you got to get guys like Jalen Hyatt more involved. Malachi Weidman is a vertical threat. We saw the catch he made against Kentucky thrown by Harrison Bailey. Um, Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy Holiday, um, you know, it's time for Bailey to start getting his feet wet in the SEC uh, because really at this point in the position that Tennessee has put themselves in, what do you have to lose? You've got four week, four games left, hopefully, as of now. We don't know, you know, things can change after I record this. They could say the whole season is over with. I actually recorded this previously when A&M was still on and had to come back and, and record this again since the A&M game was, was postponed. So um, you have nothing to lose playing Harrison Bailey. In the Arkansas game, before Jarrett Garantano comes out, he was 5 of 8 for passing, which sounds, you know, okay, he was accurate. He only threw the ball eight times into the third quarter for 40-some yards, no touchdowns, no picks. You're telling me that your starting quarterback, fifth-year senior, guy that's supposed to be a leader on your team, best quarterback you have, gives you the best chance to win games, only threw the ball eight times into the third quarter before he had to come out. That just blows my mind. That's like Georgia Tech triple option, Navy Army type stuff, you know, but for like a whole game. So... It's just, it's wild to me that that was that was what they did. But we'll we'll just go ahead and move on. Um, I think that the only viable answer right now is it's to move on from from Jarrett Garantano and turn it over to to a guy that you brought in, you know, built an entire recruiting class around, and uh, and give him the shot that I think he he deserves. Um, to kind of show what he can do and, you know, prepare for the future because as much as it pains me to say this this season is lost on, on a scale of, like, championship-wise, you know, you're, you're not – I think I mentioned it earlier, you're not going to be competing for the SEC anymore. You're not – you know, it's just not happening. You're not catching up to Florida. Even if you somehow beat Florida down the line, you're not, you're not going to be there. So – I just I'm kind of of the opinion now of what do you have to lose? Let's go ahead and and just make the change and and both sides can just go ahead and move on and and we can get past this. So 
that's where I stand on the quarterbacks. Um, I feel like there needs to be some more younger players given an opportunity. I mentioned a couple of guys before, Tyler Barron, Morvin Joseph on the defensive side. I want to see them more up front. Um, I definitely want to see more of Kashawn Lawrence and Danico Slaughter in this in the secondary because I feel like you've been struggling already with the guys that you have in place. You know, I mean, can it get any worse than than what you already have been doing back there? Because it hasn't been working so far. Um, so I, I would like to see more of them, and then you know, freshman wide receivers. You know, we've seen Jalen Hyatt. Seen a little bit of Malachi Weidman, um, you know, caught a pass against the uh, in the Kentucky game, but I want to see more of them. You know, I mean, I, I like Josh Palmer a lot. I like Brandon Johnson. I think he's done an all right job. Don't think Valus Jones Jr. has been given an opportunity to really get as involved as I think he would have liked. Um, you know, he he does go out there all the time for for kickoffs and stuff. But as far as a receiver, you know, he might get a a reverse or sweep or something here or there, but I mean, as far as it, as a wide receiver goes, he's not really targeted that much, and, and I like I would like to get the ball in his hands more as well because I think he he's a dynamic playmaker, um, just like you know Jalen Hyatt when he gets the ball in his hands, you don't know what's going to happen. So w- would like to see more of that, um, but yeah, I, I just think the position that Tennessee's at put themselves in you might as well start seeing what you've got in some of these younger guys. Um, show the, the recruits that you have currently committed that are, you know, coming in in this 2021 class that, you know, you're dedicated to making this program better and improving rather than continuing to stick with what isn't working. Um, because as of right now, you haven't lost any 2021 commits after all of the losses that you have taken here in a row guys like Caden Salter and and Terrence Lewis, which that one really shocked me. I think when you look at this class and and the guys that are currently committed to Tennessee in this 2021 class, Terrence Lewis has always kind of been the guy that not not necessarily going to say I I expect him or expected him to, to decommit and flip somewhere else, but if you had asked me out of the guys that are currently committed, who do I think is the most likely person to flip, he probably would have been the name that I would give you just because of the way that, you know, it just kind of, it sort of seemed like that, you know, was, was something that he could do. You know, he's always kind of flirting with other programs on social media and stuff like that, uh, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, when, when you looked at the guys in this class, if you would have asked me who, who I thought would, would flip or would have flipped, or could possibly flip, <laughs> it would have been it would have been Lewis. But he came out and, and really surprised me, and maybe some other people as well with his comments. You know, Bruce Feldman made it uh, sent out a tweet talking about you know Tennessee and how poorly they've been playing recently and all this nonsense. And um, Terrence Lewis quotes it and said, "Well, things are going to change." You know, basically insinuating that once he gets there and the and the rest of the guys in his class, you know it. It, that that stops there, and that that's the attitude that you need to have when when you have the results on the field that Tennessee has had, and you have these these highly rated guys that you've you know convinced and and gotten to to commit and and really buy into what you're trying to do with the program. 
that's the kind of attitude that you want to see. You don't want to see guys, you know, all of a sudden jump ship when things go go a little bit bad. Um, you know, on the field results really hurt Tennessee last year in recruiting. Um, you had guys like Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, um, Rakeem Jarrett that you just you fell flat on your face out the gate against teams that you should have beat, and because of that, you lost them. You know, and their interest, and they ended up going to, um, you know, other other teams, you know, teams in your conference. You know, Eric Gilbert's now at at LSU, so is B.J. Ojolari. Um, Darnell Washington went to Georgia, so Raheem Jarrett ended up going to to Maryland, which was kind of a shock um, on the surface. But I think, you know, when you kind of look at look at it a little bit deeper it kind of makes a little a little bit more sense and that's all I'm gonna say about it um but yeah I mean what you saw out of, out of Lewis on Twitter is exactly the kind of attitude you want to see and then uh, another guy Caden Salter your, your four-star quarterback out of Cedar Hill Texas um a guy that I'm hoping has a better off you know a better situation in the offseason than Harrison Bailey did coming in because I think Salter's going to bring his own set of skills, and, and he's – I don't want to compare him to Brian Maurer, but their skills are kind of similar as far as he can, you know, run around and, and you can design plays to get him, you know, quarterback design runs and, and read options and stuff like that, you know, kind of the stuff that you're seeing with Kyler Murray, I think. Not not to say that Caden Salter and Kyler Murray are are the same player or whatever, but their, their style of, of play at the quarterback position is very similar. So you can get pretty creative with with Salter. Um, I would expect, depending on how the rest of this season goes and 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 the decisions that have that will be made at quarterback, I would assume that Caden Salter is going to be given an opportunity to win the job, just like they expected to give the opportunity to Harrison Bailey. I don't necessarily think he's going to come in and win the starting job. Um, I think that it's Harrison Bailey's to lose right now moving forward. Um, I, I think that it needs to be given to him now and you go into the offseason with the plan of, of having him start, but you, you also give the other guys, you know, if Maurer's there, if Shrout is there, when Salter gets in um, and any other sort of, you know, maybe potential grad transfer that you go after, you give everybody the equal chance to, to win the job. But I think the plan should be Harrison Bailey is your guy um, and you go from there. But... But Salter, in an interview, um, you know, he's done a couple of interviews, and, and he went to Twitter, and he basically said, I'm not going to directly quote his tweet, but he said on the lines of, you know, don't question my commitment to Tennessee. I'm locked in. I'm not going anywhere. No matter what the results on the field are, you know, I want to create my own destiny, my own legacy, and, and you know, basically build something from the ground up rather than jumping into something that's already established. And, and again, that's that's the type of attitude you want from from kids that are coming into the situation in Tennessee. So um, really, really good to see that from those two guys. Um, you've seen Cody Brown, the four-star running back out of Parkview High School here in Georgia. He's, he's confirmed his commitment. Um, I think I saw an article a little bit later or earlier yesterday that said that Rock Taylor confirmed his commitment. He's a wide receiver, um, big, big physical guy, I think. Um, he could be really nice if you bring him in and and develop him the right way um he's got some speed about him too but uh 
you know, just just good to see guys not not completely jumping off the boat. And and again, it's what November. Things can change. We are getting close to the early signing period uh, in December, and then you know February's not that far away. I know it feels like 2020 has lasted what seems like five years or so, um, but we are nearing the end of this year, getting close to early signing period for the 21 class, and then, you know, like I said, February is just right around the corner. So we'll see how it plays out um, recruiting-wise. I don't think you're going to see anything too shocking. At least I haven't seen or heard about anything that, that would lead me to believe that there's any sort of you know, flips or anything coming. There is a very important commitment that that will be happening um, a week from when this is being recorded, November 18th. Small Munden Jr., a five-star linebacker out of Paulding County uh, here in Georgia again, is going to be making his announcement. He's picking between five teams. You know, Georgia, Auburn, and Tennessee were, were really viewed as the top three there uh, for a while. He's got LSU in his top five. Uh, what was the other team? Florida maybe but I think I think it was it was pretty clear that it was a a Georgia Auburn and Tennessee battle obviously Georgia being the home the home state team you kind of expect it to go that way I think he's been trending that way for for a little while but you know Tennessee has always been there and, and I know he likes Tennessee a lot just from from articles and stuff like that he's he's kept his recruitment out of all of the kids that and when I say follow I don't mean I'm following up with these guys and interviewing them and stuff like that, but just following how their recruitment is going, you know, where, where they're visiting, um, you know, who they're talking to, all this good stuff. He's really kept everything going on with him about as close to the vest as you could, as you could ask for. Um, we've seen a lot of different recruitments in the last few years. Um, you know, guys that are super out there with everything, that are you know making it very well known where their interests lie and where they're planning on going and all this and then there are other guys like Munden where it's real real hush hush you don't really know I don't think really anybody knows where he's gonna go um I will say as of today I think it's gonna be Georgia uh unfortunately I think that Munden is a guy if you could get him to come to Tennessee he's a day one player the moment he walks on on campus, um, I think he jumps right into what you're trying to do offensively. I mean, defensively. Good lord, <laughs> um, he fits exactly what Pruitt wants to do defensively. He's he he would he would be exactly what is needed at the linebacker position. Um, but unfortunately, I think it's going to go a different direction, and that's fine. It's just another big miss. And I think it, you know, I think the Amarius Mims, the five-star tackle, um, I think that miss. Also, your your on-the-field results play played a role in that. I think, you know, he might have been trending towards Georgia for a while, but he visited Tennessee a whole lot. It was like two or three times this season already that he he was at Tennessee. So that to me shows that he was either very interested or just going for the you know the free stuff or whatever. I don't know. Some kids do that. Some kids don't. Not trying to say that's what he was doing, but you just never know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the on-the-field results have have obviously helped in any way get guys like Mims or Munden or even four-star corner Nylon Green to uh, to want to come to Tennessee. I think at this point, 
you're basically selling them on the future if if you still have a shot with them, which you know Mims is committed to Georgia. Don't think that's going to change. I think Smile Munden is going to go to Georgia as well. Don't know where Nylon Green is at. Um, I've seen a lot of interviews out of him in the last few months where you know he's talked a lot about Tennessee. So maybe Tennessee's still still the pick there. I don't know. I don't think he's announced a commitment date or anything like that, like like Munden has. Um, but I would still keep an eye on on the Smile Munden's commitment. You you never know. Like I said, he's kept everything real close to the vest, and I don't think really anybody knows where he's where he's going. Um, so we'll see. So I I think that's going to wrap this uh, this episode up of the Vault Contributor Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. If you tuned in, I hope that you enjoyed. And, um, and I will try to make this a, a regular thing if, you know, people want it to be, I, I really enjoy talking Tennessee sports. I know I'm just talking to myself, but obviously, you know, you guys can listen and, you know, tweet at me. I, I put my Twitter in, in the beginning, but I'll say it again. You can follow me on Twitter at murphy.carlton. Uh, that's M-U-R-P-H-Y period C-A-R-L-T-O-N. You can follow me there. I'm trying to be a little bit more active on social media you know, interact with people that, that want to talk about Tennessee sports, because I always find it fun to do that, get different sort of opinions and and whatnot, point of views. So you can follow me there, listen to this episode and and let me know what you think. Also check out volunteerroadshow.com. Um, I'm a writer over there. We write for more important issues. It's a show done by, uh, Landon and Caleb. They do a great job. Mentioned them earlier in the, in the podcast as well, but go check that out. Go check out my article on the quarterback situation. Um, I think, again, if you listen to this, you pretty much know where where my thoughts lie with that one. But uh, still go check it out. Let me know what you think, and uh, I would greatly appreciate it. So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed, and I will catch you on the next one.